0: Hi, this is Cindy Godwin, pastor of Summit Church, and this is Our Chosen Podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope that it helps build up your faith and remind you that God has chosen you and set you apart for His purpose. Enjoy the message. So we're going to continue on the tyranny of religion. Today will be part four, and mean we might go to part 100. I just don't know. <laughs> but I do know that we're going to do this until I have exhausted as far as the Holy Spirit shows me, because I lived under that tyrant for so many decades. And remember, a tyrant is a cruel, oppressive ruler, and tyranny is cruel, oppressive rule. Religion is the belief in and worship of a superhuman controlling power. So don't ever let anybody ask you, what religion are you? Just say, I'm not a religion. I'm a believer. I'm a Christ follower. That's not a religion. It's a relationship. And he is not a controlling power. I can tell you that. You know, Jesus always gives us a choice 100% of the time. He's such a gentleman that he stands at the door and knocks, but the thief comes only to still kill and destroy. He's got one motive, still kill or slaughter. That Greek word kill is slaughter or sacrifice and to destroy. I don't think I need to define destruction for you. And so today's not at all what I planned. It was actually inspired by a friend of mine who sent me a, a podcast. And it was on, um, I don't know, maybe Saturday morning or could have been Sunday morning. And I typically don't watch and or listen to anything before I have spent some real quality time with the Lord. But I just had this prompting by the Holy Spirit, watch this. And so I did. And the very beginning, and I can't even remember the name of the man, I know he was with Andrew Womack Ministries, but I don't remember his name. But I do remember this, the first thing he shared was a scripture the Holy Spirit had been ministering to me for quite some time. And it was all about who I surrender to. And so I'm going to begin by reading that this scripture. Actually, no, I'm not. I'm going to begin by reading you this word by Lorelai Cooley that just came out today. I really, really like her. And it is so appropriate for the season we're in. So I'm going to go ahead and read it to you. Though it tarry, wait for it, for there is a groundbreaking shift upon you. And as I read this, I want you to know no matter where you are today, it doesn't have to be where you are tomorrow. There are so many prophetic words in the Bible where tomorrow by this time (laughs) or in the morning, things were hopeless by the end of the day, every, it was completely delivered. So just don't give up hope just because things aren't looking good right now. If you're giving up hope because things aren't looking good right now, it's because you're walking by sight and not by faith. And we know that's not the will of God. I heard and I felt this thunderous, groundbreaking shift that in that moment, I instantly knew that the pathway was being made utterly clear with no blockades and no hindrances to see what the Lord was to bring forth. I felt that in that moment, the divine appointed time of the Lord had arrived for its fulfillment of his word. Then I heard the Lord speaking over those that were tearing along and felt him saying, wait for it for I am bringing the breakthrough. I am making the way straight like an arrow. I am sending forth my word, and I am watching over it. Before this month closes, what's today? The 24th. Fifth. What's today? The 25th. Before this month closes, before this month closes, There will be a sudden breaking of the day that it will be without a shadow of a doubt that I, the Lord, stepped into your circumstances and suddenly everything in your life that was at a standstill suddenly changed and my word was fulfilled over your life. You will know that I, the Lord, have kept my word. I've kept my promise, and I did what I said I was going to do. For my word never fails. Habakkuk 2:3. For the vision is yet for the appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. So when I read that, I went, I received that word, Lord. Amen. You know, in those dumb infomercials, you know how they always go, wait for it. And it does what? It piques your attention only to let you down and realize they're selling you something. But if God says, wait for it, you can take it to the bank. Wait for it. Because it will surely come. So back to Romans 6, starting with verse 12. I'm going to read this passage to you. And as I said, for weeks the Holy Spirit has been giving this to me. And then when I heard this podcast, webcast, or whatever it was, I don't really know the difference. Then, and I don't care, so you don't need to come up afterward and tell me. Because I'm trying to get the mothers out of here, all right? I know it's half day, and some of you were brave enough to come. The others are sitting in the car in front of the school waiting for their children. All right. Let not sin, therefore, rule as king. Let not sin, therefore, rule as king in your mortal body to make you yield to its cravings and be subject to its lust and evil passions. Who's he talking to here? Who does he say, don't let sin reign? Us. Whose choice is it? Ours is dwelling on fearful things, sin. Yes. Is doubt that is not resisted sin. Yes. Is unbelief sin. Is unrighteous anger sin. Is gossip sin. Bitterness. Unforgiveness. Worry. Okay. The order is don't let it rule as your king. To make you yield to its cravings and be subject to its lust and evil passions. Do not, therefore, offer or yield your bodily members and faculties. That's your mind. That's your emotions. To sin as an instrument of wickedness. But offer and yield yourselves to God. What does that mean? That it is a voluntary action. Offer and yield yourselves to God as though you have been raised from the dead to perpetual life and your bodily members and your faculties, your mind and emotions and your will, to God, presenting them as implements of righteousness, for sin shall not any longer exert dominion over you since you are now not under the law as a slave, but under grace as a subject of God's favor and mercy. What then are we to conclude? Shall we sin because we live not under the law, but under God's favor and mercy? Certainly not. Do you not know that if you continually surrender yourselves to anyone to do his will, listen to this, you are the slaves of him whom you obey. So whoever you surrender to, you become the slave to. We just had our chosen fearless. If you surrender to fear, fear will be your master. If you surrender to worry, Anger, unforgiveness, that's what will control you. But, you know, God is so amazing because he tells you what you're to surrender to. Whether that be to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. Right doing and right standing with God. I'm speaking in familiar human terms because of your natural limitations. For as you yielded your bodily members and faculties as servants to impurity and ever-increasing lawlessness, so now, say now, yield, now yield your bodily members and faculties once and for all as servants of righteousness, which leads to your sanctification or being set apart. So we have a choice here. Whoever you surrender to, you are a slave to. So he shared these scriptures, and he was the whole message was on who is your Lord? That was the whole message. I almost didn't listen to it because I thought, well, oh, this is going to be an evangelical message, and I love evangelists. God bless them forevermore. May their fruit abound unto many salvations. But I don't need to hear a salvation, receive Jesus as Lord and Savior message because I did that 49 years ago. So I almost didn't listen. But I'm always proclaiming Jesus as Lord, and I've taught many times on what that name means. And so I did listen, and I'm so glad I did. Because Lord means the one with supreme authority. Now, I want to read to you from Strong's Concordance, because this is what we're going to focus on today, because I'm here to tell you that if you surrender to sin, if you surrender your mind, your will, and your emotions to worry and fear and doubt and unbelief and all whatever form of disobedience, annoyance and continual irritations, And here's the one that you never think of. Wanting it your way instead of surrendering to, Lord, even if I don't really like this way, I'm going to do it because you said. And we often don't consider that sin, but it is. If I want it my way all the time and I do it, I did it my way, Frank, you and me. Some of you are going, who's Frank? (laughs) Everybody who Frank is? Yes. Yes, all right. Anybody not know who Frank is? Raise your hand and I'll tell you. <laughs> Frank Sinatra. Yeah. Remember that song, I Did It My Way? It was a good song. It was a really good song, but it was wrong. So who do you yield to? The word Lord is curios, and it means Lord and Master, Sir. Kyrios K-Y-R-I-O-S, and this is what got me, and I don't know how I ever missed it. A person exercising absolute ownership rights. I'm going to say it again. A person exercising absolute ownership rights. And as I receive more of this revelation, I begin to yield every part of me to the ownership of Jesus. Now, you might say, well, I've already done that. Really? Well, let's go on. Do you ever think anything? All right, say if you're married. I'm just going to use that as an example. Say if you're married. Do you ever cop an attitude with your spouse? Get really annoyed, irritated? Start thinking really ugly thoughts? This morning, Pam, Tiffany, pray with her to forgive Jim. I mean, you ever, they just walk by and you think, I just don't really like you. What did you just do? You surrendered to lovelessness. The royal law is the law of love. Love thinks no evil. I'm preaching to myself. You all know what I'm talking about. But if you call him Lord, that means you have yielded to his absolute ownership by choice. And the greatest example in the whole scripture, in my opinion, besides Jesus, is his mother Mary. Because when the angel Gabriel told her something that was utterly impossible, utterly impossible... Instead of doing what Zacharias did, and by the way, he appeared to Zacharias before he appeared to Mary, proclaimed and prophesied the birth of of John the Baptist. And Zacharias basically mocked him. His, well, how should this be, was like, (laughs) how should this be? Mary's was humility. How shall this be? I've, I've never known a man. You know what that means, right? And he said, well, The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. Power of the Most High will come upon you. And this seed shall be called the Son of God. And you know what Mary did at that moment? She exercised the absolute ownership of the Lord to be her Lord. She simply said, behold, I am the bond slave of the Lord. Be it unto me according to your word. Now, that word, bond slave, in ta- Roman times, I copied this right out of the, the book, referred to someone who voluntarily served others and usually one who held a permanent position of solitude. So a bond slave was a voluntary slave, not a forced slave. She volunteered or surrendered her body to the Lord's use. Did you ever think about if something in your body's amiss, something in your body's broken, something in your body's missing? Did you ever think about surrendering it to the lordship of Jesus? I'm going to go on with that. I I think we're going to kill some sacred cows. So she said, essentially, I give you the right to own me. I give you the right to own me. When I tell you, I mean, it's only been, you know, not even a week yet, but I'm telling you, the Lord has been working this in me for so long that it literally has changed my life. And it requires deep surrender. So I'm going to ask you today who has the supreme authority or the ownership in your life? Does the report of the doctor? Do the divorce papers? I've recently had more than one woman come to me in absolute, utter panic, frustration, despair because they were served with divorce papers and weren't expecting it. And I watched as those precious, precious women gave that supreme authority in their lives. Now, I'm not saying that wouldn't be heartbreaking, okay? So please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that wouldn't be shocking. But if you have the heart of a bondservant, you say, Lord, I surrender my feelings, my hurt, and my pain to you. I give you permission to own me, because you won't do it if I don't give you permission. If you call Jesus your Lord, it means you give him permission to have 100% authority in your life. And we might all think we've done that, but I'm going to tell you something. I'm working on it every minute of every day now, and I can tell you right now, it's a walk. And it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. It's a conscious moment-by-moment moment decision. Who has supreme authority in your life? Does your bank statement, the nightly news, the job report? What about the forthcoming election results? What has supreme authority in your life? I can't tell you the number of panic texts I'm getting. What if so-and-so, and what if this, and what if, what if, what if, what if? What if? Well, what if? Jesus is my Lord. And I'm telling you, I don't have an ounce of worry. Right. I really don't. I have tithers' rights. Right. Yeah. I'm submitting to him every way I possibly know how. I have nothing to worry about. I'm the bond slave of the Lord. Be it unto me according to your word. And I have lots and lots and lots of word. Because the truth is, whatever you surrender to is who or what you serve. That's the bottom line. If you surrender to the pain, you serve the pain. You know, I woke up the other night. I, I was in one of these beautiful sleeps. You know what I'm saying? Where well, you are just so happy to be asleep. It was Saturday night. I'd gone to actually to bed early. I was, you know, excited about getting up, coming here to church on Sunday. And, and I just fell right asleep. And I mean, I'm just like, you know that old expression, snug as a bug in a rug. And well, that's a dumb expression. I was, I was as snug as my little puppy. My puppy's white and my comforter is white and she's all snuggled in that comforter. And she doesn't care if we're comfortable or not. Amen. So I was that snug. And all of a sudden, I woke up and I was awakened by the most horrific pain in my wrist. I mean, it, now, you know how you go if you go into a hospital, and they have the pain chart, and number one, you're smiling, and number 10, you're sobbing. So it was right before you start sobbing. That's how bad it was. It was piercing, just piercing pain just in my wrist. I mean, it felt like I had broken it or sprained it. And so the first I began to pray, I began to praise, I began to, to uh, speak the word of God, and I thought, I am not getting out of bed, and I'm not getting out of this comfortable position. But nothing I did. I stretched it out. I turned it. I put it between my knees. I put it under my arm. I put it above my head. Nothing was working. I went, oh, I don't want to get up. I'm going to wake up my husband. He's a light sleeper. I'm going to wake up the dog. And then she's going to want to play. And, and, but it was a really, really bad pain. And I just, Lord, I just surrender this to you. You own me, Lord. I surrender to you. And I I got up. I did get an ice pack, and I just put it on my wrist and went right back to sleep. Next morning, my wrist was sore. I mean, I probably had rolled over on it, or I had been at a couple of um, soccer games and carrying chairs and bags, and I had my dog. It does say no dogs allowed, but I hide her in this leather puppy case. (laughs) And so I'm carrying the chair, I'm carrying the bag, I'm carrying my purse, and you know, I mean, you can just do something that doesn't show up till later, but it's perfectly fine now. But nevertheless, I refuse to give it power to own me. And it wasn't easy. I'm talking whatever number is right before, Didi, what number is it right before you start going, ah, is it seven or eight? See, it's seven or eight. That's how bad it was. So I want to show you an example here that is, I, I just thought this was so powerful. This is this gentleman brought it up. And it was a story of the, the man in John chapter 5, the man that had been infirm for 38 years. We talk about him all the time at the pool of Bethesda. And he had no men to help him get in the water. And so in verse 1 two it says, in Jerusalem there was a pool, and the pool in the Hebrew is called Bethesda. And in these lay a great number of sick folk, some blind, crippled, paralyzed, waiting for the bubbling up of the water. For an angel of the Lord went down and appointed seasons into the pool and moved and stirred up the water. And whoever then first, after the stirring up of the water, stepped in was cured of whatever disease with which he was afflicted. And here's what's interesting. The footnote in the Amplified Classic says, many manuscripts omit the last part of verse 3 and verse 4. This gentleman brought up, this was folklore. It was culture. It was a tradition passed down. And here's why. He said these words I thought were so powerful. God does not roll dice. And that passage always bothered me. And then when I went and I read, I never noticed the footnote before. And it said, many manuscripts have omitted this. In Romans 2.11, it says, God shows no partiality, no undue favor or unfairness. With him, one man is not different from another. So see, if that were not folklore, then that would be God showing partiality. A good majority of the time, Jesus healed them All He did an interview to find out who was the most righteous, who was the goodest, who who had checked every box, who had never let he who among you without sin. He didn't interview them for their past and say, have you, uh, did you deal with this? Did you repent of this? Have you done this? Now, if God tells you to do something, you better do it. I don't care how hard it is. He's been dealing with me, and now I'm going to have to do it because I'm telling you. And I'm telling you, I don't want to. But he's been dealing with me about something that happened a long time ago where there was an accusation against me that was absolutely not true. And this person demanded an apology. And I said, but I, I don't know what to apologize for because I didn't do it. And I was called a Pharisee and proud and da 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 But lately, he's been saying, make friends quickly with your accuser. I went, all right, Lord, I don't want to, but I'll do it. Show me how. It's hard to apologize for something you didn't do. (laughs) But he'll show me. I want to be that obedient because Jesus is Lord. Jesus is supreme authority in my life. Jesus owns me. I've given him permission to do that. He, took, he takes good care of those that he owns. I'm telling you that. So let's look at a few people in the Bible that refused to yield to the tyranny of religion, to the cruel, oppressive rulership of a controlling superhuman power. Ready? We we look at these people very often, and I love them so, 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 so much. So we're just going to keep looking at them. First of all, John 2 water to wine. Remember... They came to Jesus and they said, Lord, Lord, they've run out of wine. And what did, what did Jesus, what, what did, uh, excuse me, that was uh, Mary who did that. Yes. Lord, they ran out of wine. And Jesus said, woman. He called her woman. My kids better not ever call me woman. <laughs> woman, my time has not yet come. And you know what? Mary ignored him. And she said, because she was the Jewish mother. And she said, whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever he says to you. What did she do? Honestly, she submitted to his lordship. And of course, what happened? They filled up the water pots to the brim. And what did the, the head of the wedding say? Well, most people say, save the bad wine or the lesser wine, until the end when everybody's already drunk on the good wine. But these people save the best wine for now. And I, I was praying about this this morning, and just like this word that I read by Lori Lorelei Cooley, I'm telling you, now is here. For many of us, now is here. What about the woman with the issue of blood? I want you to see how this woman... Submitted, surrendered to the ownership of Jesus Christ. She had a flow of blood 12 years. This is Mark 5, 25. She'd endured much suffering under the hands of many physicians, spent all she had, and was no better but worse. Okay, so she's sick and she's broke. She's anemic to the point of Lord only knows what. And remember, she heard the reports concerning Jesus. She came up behind him in the throng, touched his garment. She kept saying, if I only touch his garment, I'll be restored to health. Immediately, her flow of blood was dried at the source. And suddenly, she felt in her body that she was healed of her distressing ailment. Now, what happened here? She surrendered to the Lord, the one with supreme authority, not to the tyranny of all the people And what happened here? She wasn't allowed to be out in public, ladies. Now, as I've said before, all these commercials make that time of the month look like some heaven-on-earth experience that you just can't wait for to get out your white pants or your bikini. (laughs) Now, we all know that's not true. It's marketing. It's a money game. But she wasn't even allowed to be out in public. But she exercised the supremacy of jesus christ over what the public rules were and what happened her full blood was dried up at the source i love this because see when jesus heals it's at the source And suddenly she felt in her body she was healed of her ailment. And Jesus, recognizing in himself power proceeding from him, had gone forth, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? And here's the disciples rebuking him. Will you see everyone pressing around you from all sides and you ask who touched me? Well, Jesus didn't care. He just kept on looking to see who had done it. The woman, knowing what had been done for her, though alarmed and frightened and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said, daughter, your faith, your trust and your confidence in me, springing from faith in God has restored you to health. Go in peace and be continually healed and freed from your distressing bodily disease. She yielded to Jesus. She did not yield to the physician's report. There's nothing else we can do, they were telling her. And beside that, you don't have any more money. You've run out of money. She didn't yield to the fear. She didn't yield to the worry. She didn't yield to her symptoms. She yielded to the report of the Lord. She yielded to the authority, the supremacy of Jesus Christ. And I love that. And then there was... Bartimaeus the blind beggar in Mark 10 46 and remember he heard Jesus I love how all these people heard about Jesus he was blind he couldn't see but he heard the crowds Jesus is coming Jesus is coming and you know what he did he began to shout out Jesus son of David have mercy on me And what happened? Verse 48, and many severely censured and reproved him, telling him to keep still, but he kept on shouting all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And what an exciting thing happened. Jesus said, bring him to me. Well, all of a sudden, the disciples were, oh, yes. Yes, the very ones telling him to shut up. Oh, yes, the master's calling you. And this man was so submitted to the supremacy, the lordship, the ownership of Jesus Christ, that he threw off his garment that gave him the permission to legally beg because he knew he wasn't going to need to wear it anymore. And he came to Jesus and Jesus said, What do you want me to do for you? Wasn't that obvious? What do you want me to do for you? Master, he called him master. He submitted to the ownership. Master, let me receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has healed you. And at once he received his sight and accompanied Jesus on the road. Once again, Jesus is Lord. And then there is the leper who wasn't supposed to be out in public. This is Mark 1 and verse 40. But he came to Jesus anyway, and he began begging him on his knees, if you are willing, you are able to make me clean. And Jesus said those three words that answered the question of the will of God for all eternity, he said, I am willing. He didn't say, well, let's determine what made you a leper in the first place. I want to tell you something. Most of us are still so under the law that we can't see past it. But in every case of these miracles, faith reached out and touched the one who is faith because he is the word and faith comes by hearing the word. Faith comes by hearing Jesus. And they reached out and touched by faith the one who is the word. And he said, your faith has made you well. Now, I don't mean this kooky, oh, she didn't he didn't have enough faith. Now, you know what? That is none of your business. There were many people that did die in faith. What does that mean? I don't know. It means they never quit believing God. It means they never railed at God, they never questioned his authority, his supremacy, and his rulership. He never, Jesus never turned away anyone. And so Jesus said, I am willing. Be made clean, and immediately the leprosy was dried up, and Jesus sharply said, do not tell anybody, but you know what this guy did? He went out, and he blazed his fame abroad, telling people Jesus is Lord. He's the one with supreme authority. Now, religion, the tyranny of religion would have never said this. The tyranny of religion says to these people, shut up. Leave him alone. He's too busy. Don't you see the crowds? Don't you see the state of the world? How do you think he's going to see you? You're just a little blip on the radar. Wow. That is certainly minimizing a loving, loving father who loves his sons and daughters. Mark 7:24 and Jesus went to the region of Tyre and <clears throat> he went into a house and he did not want anyone to know he was there. You ever want to be alone? I've told my husband, you don't plan on retiring. <laughs> when you die at 100, I'll just put your calculator in the box with you. And My love language is not quality time. So, I'm, but I'm sure even if yours is, everybody needs a long time. Everybody needs a long time, and he did not. He wanted to be alone, for heaven's sake. But instead, a woman whose little daughter had been under the control of a demon heard about him and came and flung herself at his feet. And she was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by nationality. She kept begging him to drive out the demon from her daughter. And he said, first let the children be fed. It is not becoming her proper to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Lady, you're a dog. You know, I love this passage because Winnie, my, my dog, she will sit under my feet when we're having dinner. It's the most annoying thing in the whole world. And she doesn't even blink. She's got these big old eyes in her little face. And those big eyes just stare at me. And Randy will say, look how focused she is. What is she waiting for? She's waiting for a crumb. A crumb. And you know what? She doesn't quit until I throw a crumb down. And I usually throw it as far as I can to give me a minute to put a bite of food in my mouth without those eyes staring at me. So Jesus said, you dog, you're just a dog. You are not entitled to children's bread. But this woman gave Jesus permission to own her. And she said, yes, Lord. She called him Lord. Yet even the small pups under the table eat the little children's scraps of food. And he said to her, because of this saying, You may go your way. The demon has gone out of your daughter permanently... And she went home and found the child thrown on the couch, and the demon had departed. She surrendered to his supreme authority. The leper surrendered to his supreme authority. The woman with the issue surrendered to his supreme authority. Bartimaeus, the blind man who was no longer blind, surrendered to the supreme authority. And I'm telling you, I've been doing that, and I have seen results I can't describe to you. I am surrendering to his supreme authority. In my actions, in my thoughts, in my body, every part of my being, I just keep saying, Lord, I surrender to your authority, not my will, but yours be done, Lord, because I know your will is good and it's acceptable and it's perfect. Who is your supreme authority? You know, a doctor is not your supreme authority. He is a minister of health. The IRS, the bank, the financial institutions are not your supreme authority. They are ministers of finance. The economic report is not your supreme authority. Your job is not your supreme authority. Why do you surrender to your employer? Because you're surrendering to Jesus and he said to. And if you don't, then you're in disobedience. Who is your supreme authority? Who owns you? Did you know that your education level, I've had so many people tell me they can't do something because they don't have a college degree. And you know what? My answer is always the same. Well, you can have mine. Because I have one, but I don't need it to do what I'm doing. I'm sur- I've surrendered to the call of God all my life. So is your education level your supreme authority? Your degree, your career, what people think of you, your depression, your guilt, your sickness, what owns you? If you're going to make Jesus your Lord, where is that scripture that every knee will bow Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But you gotta bow. You've gotta bow. So are you bowed to a tyrant or are you bow to the one who is love? I've gotten to where I am refusing a life of less based on John 1010. 10. I already quoted the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have and enjoy life in abundance to the full until it overflows. Anything that is not a life in abundance, enjoying life to the full till it overflows, is settling for the less. I will refuse a life of less. 1 John 3, 8, he who commits sin, who practices evil doing, is of the devil and takes his character from the evil one. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. The reason, this is what absolutely profoundly gets me. When the word of God says what the reason is Jesus came for, we should take heed to it. The reason the son of God appeared was to destroy, loose, untie, and dissolve the works the devil has done. Is there something in your body that needs to go? The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy and dissolve the works the devil has done. Is there something in your soul that is bothering you? The Son of God appeared to destroy the works the devil has done. I will not settle for less when Jesus said I can have abundance. So, in closing, I asked the Lord... Where am I in all this, Lord? What do you want me to do? I, I submitted certain areas to him. Lord, in this area, in this area. Lord, what do you want me to do? I'll do whatever you say, Lord, because I am committed to surrender to your lordship. I'm committed to surrender myself a servant to obey you, Lord. You won't take it unless I give it. Listen to me, he won't take it if you don't give it. The woman with the issue, the blind man, the leper, the lepers. I, I could go through the whole scripture. He wouldn't force it on them. They had to acknowledge his lordship. I mean, the Syrophoenician woman, a Gentile, that wasn't even allowed to talk to a Jewish man. Do you know that? Like the woman at the well. Years ago, I walked into what used to be called the Shepherd Shop. It's long, long gone. But, you know, this is back in the day when we still had Christian bookstores. And, and it was one of the original in San Antonio. It was a blue, beautiful store. I was friends with the owner. And I walked in, and there was a bronze, beautiful statue of Jesus with the woman of the well. And it was on a, a wooden base. And it said, woman at the well. And it was, for, for uh, us in those days, it was very expensive. And when I saw that, I started crying and I went home, and I told Randy, I said, Randy, there's this statue. And I just, I just started weeping, and I went back and looked at it. Every time I looked at it, I would start crying. And he said, why? And I said, I don't I'm, because I'm that woman. You know why? Because she cried. John chapter 4, she tried everything to fill the hole, to fill the emptiness. But Jesus gave her living water that filled her up. And the woman was a, an adulterer. She was a fornicator. She had four marriages and was living with a man. Oh, society. Well, now we put it on the front of People magazine. But back then, they condemned it. And that doesn't mean if you've had four, five, ten marriages that you're condemned, you are not. I mean, God divorced Israel for for a time. And so, I'm not saying this in any form of condemnation. I'm just saying There was, Jesus was just ready for her to invite him. I'm telling you, if you don't surrender and invite him and give him your all, he will not take it. That's not who he is. And so I said, Lord, just tell me what you want me to do. I surrender. I'm giving it to you. And I heard as loud as I can hear my own voice right now on a microphone I heard him say to me Isaiah 51, Who has believed my report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? So I began to study that and I found out that that word report in the Hebrew means announcement. And the word arm means strength. So who has believed our announcement? And to whom has the strength of the Lord been revealed? He's asking the question, who will believe me? Who will believe my word? Who will believe Jesus? He is the report of the Lord. Who will believe the announcement that the angels, and we're getting ready to celebrate Christmas, but guess what? That chapter in Luke is not a Christmas passage. It's an eternal decree, glory to God in the heavens and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Rick always says, if it's not good news, it's not the gospel. I believe that. There is the severity of God, and there is the kindness of God. Make sure you're on the right side. Because Jesus Christ is your Savior and Lord. Not just your Savior, but your Lord. And so I began to study that out, and I found two places in the New Testament. We're going to read one, and then we're going to close. That quote john 12 i'm going to read to you the one or excuse me that quote isaiah 51 i'm going to read to you the one that jesus quoted this starts in john 12 verse 36 while you have the light believe in the light have faith in it hold it and rely on it that you may become sons or daughters of light and be filled with light jesus said these things and he went his way and he hid himself from them Even though he had done so many miracles before them right before their eyes, yet they still did not trust in him and failed to believe in him. So don't be saying, oh, if I could just see the miracles, I would believe. No, you wouldn't. Faith doesn't come by miracles. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. So they still didn't trust him and failed to believe in him. Verse 38, here you go. So that... What Isaiah the prophet said was fulfilled, Lord, who has believed our report in our message? And to whom has the arm and the power of the Lord been shown? Therefore, they cannot believe. For Isaiah also said, he's blinded their eyes and hardened and benumbed their callous, degenerated hearts. Why? Because their hearts were degenerated. Their hearts were not yielded to him. To keep them from seeing with their eyes, understanding with their hearts and minds, and repenting and turning to me to heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw his glory and spoke of him. So what is this saying to you? Make sure your heart has not become dull to his supreme authority. Make sure your heart has not become dull to seeing with your eyes. The apostle Paul prayed in Ephesians 1 that the eyes of our heart would be flooded with light to know the hope of our calling and the riches of the glory of our inheritance in the saints. It's a glorious inheritance. Who has believed the report of the Lord, the supreme authority? I have. I want to close with Isaiah 62, 4. And mom, I am getting you out in time, mamas. You shall no more be termed forsaken, nor shall your land be called desolate anymore. But you shall be called Hebzibah. My delight is in her, and your land shall be called Beulah, married. For the Lord delights in you. And here you go. Your land shall be married, owned, and protected by the Lord. Are you willing to give your all, your mind, your thoughts, your emotions, your will? It might not be what you want, but what if it's what he wants? You know, he'll never ask you to do anything that will hurt you, ever. He won't ask you to do anything that's going to disgrace you in the long run. I mean, it might temporarily be painful. But you know, he's asked me to do some things that just were cruddy that were humiliating and shameful to me in the past. But I can honestly say, standing up here at 69 years old, which is a lot older than many of you, I can honestly say I was the one that came out on top. Even with the people that hated me and persecuted me and said that I preached a different Jesus and a false gospel. And I'm sad, truly sad to say that their latter days were not good. And it's not because they uh, persecuted me. It's this passage I just read. When your heart becomes dull to his goodness, when you submit to the tyranny of religion, when you submit to the cruel, oppressive tyrant that blames God for the cursed work of the devil... It doesn't end up good. I am determined to allow him to own me by permission. Don't call him your Lord if you don't, because he's not. He is my supreme authority. And I'm gonna do what he says. And yes, it's hard what he's told me to do now. It's the only thing I know of that he's told me to do. There could be more, but I think he's waiting on me. I'm going to do it. And I'm, I know I'm risking having rage railed at me. I mean, already have. But you know what? I'd rather please him than protect myself. Because he's called us to live to the praise of his glory. So I'm going to pray. And the decision is yours. I can't make it for you. Father, I just surrender myself on a daily basis to your Lordship. And I say, Jesus, you are Lord over my spirit. You are Lord over my soul, my mind, my will, emotions. You are Lord over my body. I give you the right to own me. And for whosoever will, Lord, I thank you. I am the bond slave of the Lord. Be it on to me according to your word. Be it on to them according to your word. Be it on to them as they submit to you. And give us more and more grace, Lord, to resist every evil tendency and more and more grace to do what you say no matter how hard it is, Lord. For we know that you will never tell us to do anything that's not for our good. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting ChosenEssay.com. Be sure to follow us at ChosenEssay on Facebook and Instagram.